Good morning, church. All right, Michael, is this going to work? Yeah? You're awesome. Today? Yeah? Okay, cool. Oh, you have to redo. Uh, Fantastic. So we figured that since probably about March when um, COVID hit, we had like technical difficulties throughout the summer, into the fall, and then we finally, literally within the last three weeks, I, I mean, we, we have spent so much trying to get all the technology working that the last two weeks it's worked perfect, so we just thought we'd throw something else in. So this is actually, um, I know some of you here are like, well, we got the big screen, but this screen is actually for the people who are joining us online, and so super glad to have you folks joining us, and glad that you all are here this morning, excited about what the Lord has to share and show us and reveal to us today. So before we go any farther, I just want to remind you of this, and um, and it was reflected in that song. Wasn't that song cool? I really like that song a lot. And uh, one line in it that I, that I really appreciated is that it said, God is madly in love with you. God is madly in love with you. And, uh, and I love the fact that, that if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want to make sure that you hear this. God loves you. God loves you madly and passionately and intimately and excitedly and joyously and anything else you can think of that you can connect with love unconditionally. I mean, he would do anything for you, which he already did, right? So uh, this morning, uh, in line with that, you have heard me say this. If you've gone to Lighthouse for any length of time, you have heard me say this. You were created on purpose for a purpose, right? You were created on purpose for a purpose. Now, I want to follow that up with a question. How are you living your life? How are you living your life? And I know, I know that some of you are thinking, yourself, well, how does one go at the other? I mean, I know that you were created on purpose for a purpose, and you would say, I, I, I believe that. Some of us here, I believe that. I was created on purpose for a purpose. But here's where the question comes in. If you were created on purpose for a purpose, are you living on purpose to fulfill that purpose? That's a pretty good question, isn't it? I mean, I don't want to gloss over that too quick. I don't want to run by that question too quick. I'm going to repeat it again so that you can kind of think of it. And you may want to write that question down for further review. You may want to just take a quick picture of that screen, okay? Or those of you who are joining us online, you can do a screen grab. But if you were created on purpose for a purpose, are you living on purpose to fulfill that purpose? Because here's the thing. I really do believe that a lot of us are just moseying our way through life. We're just trying to make it from one day to the next. We're just trying to make sure we got enough money inside of our bank account to take care of what we need for the next day. We're just trying to make sure that we've got a roof over our heads and and we're not reflecting on the fact that there's a reason why you are here. There's a reason why you live where you live, you work where you work, you go to school where you go to school. The family that you have, it's all by design, not by happenstance. It wasn't luck, whether it was good luck or bad luck, okay? It's on purpose. 
And so if you were created on purpose for a purpose, are you living on purpose to fulfill that purpose? Now, I want to talk about that a little bit more. But before we jump into to that further, I want to ask you another question. If you only had one meal left in life, if you knew that this was your last meal, what would you have? What would you want to eat for your last meal? For me, now, if you've been here a while, this isn't going to come as a surprise to you. I would love to have a nice, thick, juicy ribeye steak, medium rare, tilting towards the medium side of things, with garlic, red skin, mashed potatoes, fresh steamed green beans, and then at the very end, a very large hunk of blackberry pie with milk. And I can guarantee you that I would eat so much that I would not want to consume anything else. I believe that I would probably not want to eat another bite. Now, here's the thing. The scripture passage that we are going to be reading today is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you'll want to turn there. 1 Peter chapter 2. And this passage that we're going to read is going to seem like more than a meal. Okay, I mean, it is full. In fact, I read this and I feel so full, I feel like I'm going to throw up Bible verses. Okay, I mean, it's that much. And because we're going to be reading so much, we're not going to have time to dive in depth. There is so much context, so much depth to what we're going to read. We're not going to have time to go into the history and the context, stuff like that. We're going to grab what we can in order to understand how in 2021 we can live on purpose for a purpose. What that's going to look like, that we can live the kind of life that changes the world in which we live. Okay? So, 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says this, and Peter's talking about this. Peter writes, therefore. Now, when you're reading scripture, I, I know you're like, wait, what? You're stopping already? Yes. Anytime you see the word therefore, I learned this when I was young. Anytime in the Bible you see the word therefore, you want to know what the therefore is there for. And the therefore here, when he says therefore, when you go back to 1 Peter chapter 1, he talks about Jesus and he talks about life and how we as followers have this joy and, and, and the life that we have in Jesus. And he begins to transition it into how we're supposed to live. And he says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, 
this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. And I know that a bunch of us are like, spiritually, you're ready to loosen up that belt a little bit because that was a big meal right there, okay? So we're going to take a few minutes and we're going to digest what we just read. We're going to take it through and find out how we can live on purpose for the purpose which you are here on earth at this point in time in this location, okay? So I hope you're ready. I hope you're buckled in because it's going to be a quick, good time. Father, I just pray now in the coming moments that we have that you would speak to us and challenge us. Lord, that, that each one of us would find something in what we talk about today that is directly from you. I just need to give you a moment to just pray that, to just say, God, give me something in the next few moments, just between you and him. You just pray that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we're going to jump in. We're going to start digesting. We're going to start peeling the meat from the bone. Okay, so there are three things that I want you to take out of this. My prayer is that God has for you to take out of this. The first thing is this. The first thing is that you and I need to be pure before others. We need to be pure before others. To be pure around the people we live our lives with. Okay? Look at what uh, Peter says. Peter says, therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy envy and slander of every kind of every kind there are there are two words that are that are heavy words in here they're the words all uh, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit hypocrisy envy and slander of every the second word is every there's no wiggle room in there when you say all all is all encompassing it's not like 99 out of 100, because 99 out of 100 is good, but it's not all. And he uses the word every, not some, not occasionally, not mostly, but every kind of every kind. And do you realize that the sins that Peter lists here, the sins that he lists here, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander, those are things that we do, we do, say we do, we do. say we do. we do, those are things that we do to 
other people. Those are things that we do to other people, that I would do to another person. And they're also things, the sad thing is, these are also things that we do to each other. In the church, these are things that we do to each other. Facebook, Twitter, and other social media uh, platforms have become battlegrounds, not just for good and evil, not just for politics, but for brothers and sisters in Christ to attack each other. And my friends, this should not be. In that one verse, in this one verse, Peter lists everything that people in the world who don't follow Jesus hate about the church. Reread that again. And think about that. That every single thing that Peter lays out right here is everything that the world hates about the church. Not about Jesus, right? Not about Jesus, because Jesus isn't this. But dang, if his children aren't. If we aren't guilty, if I'm not guilty of participating in these very things. And Peter says, listen, man, the first step you got to do is to be pure. Purity was a big deal to the Jews. It still is. I mean, when you read in the Old Testament, there were things, there were uh, ritual cleanings. In fact, Jesus in the New Testament, the, the, the scriptures talk about it in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we see the different ritual cleanings and purifications. And Peter says it goes beyond just washing your hands. It's how you live your life. Amen. Be pure. Be pure. So what does purity look like? What form does purity take? I'm glad you asked that. James, the brother of Jesus, said this. He said, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Religion, religion that God our Father considers pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. When we think about religion, we think of so many different things. And that was the problem for the, 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 the Jews who were living during Jesus' time. They thought that the ritual purifications, the ways that they washed their hands, and let me tell you something, I don't have time to go into it, but the way that they would ritually just simply wash their hands was crazy in order to have their hands pure before they would eat a meal. And, and James, the brother of Jesus, says, listen, it's not about how you wash your hands. It's about how you live your life. And religion isn't about hand washing. It's about taking care of people who can't take care of themselves. Amen. It's about taking care of orphans and widows in their time of distress. It's, taught, it's about taking care of people who are marginalized, who are pushed off to the side who can't help themselves. That's what religion our father considers pure and faultless. And the way you start is getting rid of the garbage in your life. 
And if we can begin to get rid of these things, envy, hypocrisy, gossip, all of these different things, and begin to fill them with the pure and flawless things of God, then we will begin to fulfill the words that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. When he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. See, observe, not just hear. Because let's be honest, there are a lot of quote-unquote Christians who talk a good game. Am I right? They speak Christianese well. They have gone through Christianese 101, 201, 301, 401. They are fluent in Christianese. The problem is that it doesn't transfer to life. It doesn't transfer or impact how they live. And Jesus made it crystal clear in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, in the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds. And glorify your Father in heaven. I want you to hang on to that verse because it's going to come up again in just a couple of minutes. But that leads us to our second thing, and that's this. That we are meant to be stumbling blocks. We are meant, we, followers of Jesus, we are meant to be stumbling blocks. All right? Now, not necessarily, I, I, okay, when I got this picture, I just laughed because I thought it was funny. Because... I'm just picturing that dude just, he's like, I am not hanging out for this, okay? It just cracked me up. You and I are meant to be stumbling blocks, but not necessarily like this, okay? I, I, I have to be honest with you. I resent the fact that, that sometimes Christians are put into a corner and told basically to be quiet. That for some reason, people think that we're supposed to be kind of that, that, that vanilla, milk toast, you know, quiet, no voice. I, I kind of think of it as um, wet bread. I've talked about that before. Like, wait, is there, there are a few things that are more disgusting than wet bread, okay? And yet that's how there, there are people in the world who, who, who believe that that's how Christians should be. We should be silent. We should be off in the corner. And scripture tells us, and Peter tells us, that we actually are supposed to be a stumbling block. If you look in the Old Testament, it's there all over the place. The nation of Israel, when they were living for God, they were a stumbling block to other nations, the nation of Israel, when they weren't living for God, the prophets came, and the prophets were the stumbling block to the children of Israel. Jesus came, and he was a stumbling block to the religious leadership that was in place when he would say things like, you brood of vipers, and when he would go into the temple area, and he would toss tables over. Jesus became a stumbling block when they would say, how dare you? What authority do you have to be able to do that? He became a stumbling block. In fact, that's what the scriptures say about Jesus. Peter says it. He says in uh, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8, he says, For in scripture it says, See, I, God, lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him, the cornerstone is a him, and the him is Jesus, will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. 
That was Jesus. That was Jesus. That was, Jesus wasn't here necessarily just to make people stumble and fall, but to redirect their vision and understanding of God and his kingdom and his love. Because God is madly in love with you. Amen. And so if Jesus is the stumbling stone, he's the stumbling, what about us? What does that mean about, how, are, how does that fit into us? Well, Peter addresses that as well. He says, as you come to him, as you, you and I, followers of Jesus, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You and I also, like living stones, we are to be stumbling blocks. And in an age and a time when, when uh, what we believe and what the world believes that Christians believe goes against the grain, and when we go against the grain, we're seen as bigots or closed-minded, Jesus calls us to go against the grain. He calls us to live the life that is worthy. He doesn't, he doesn't expect us to hang back and be vanilla and not use our voice, but to go out and be bold. That's what I, I, I love baseball. I absolutely detest the Los Angeles Dodgers because they're in the division that my San Diego Padres play in. And yet on their team back in the, uh, back in the 80s, they had a pitcher by the name of Oral Hershiser. And I liked Oral Hershiser. And there were two things that Oral Hershiser was known for. Oral Hershiser was known to be a Christian, a very strong, devout Christian. And he also was known because he had no problem hitting batters. I like that about him. You know, I can't stand the Dodgers. I like that about Oral Hershiser. And so a reporter asked Oral Hershiser, Hershiser one time, he said, how, does that, how do those two things work together? How does, you know, how does that work, you being a Christian and you hitting other players? And Oral Hershiser said this. He said, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean I have to be a wimp. And I took that and I cut it out and I ta- literally taped it up in my locker. And then I went and hit like seven bat. No, I didn't. Not really. But, uh, but, but I mean, I, ta- I did. I literally taped it up in my, in my locker. Here's the thing, my friends. And I'm, I'm going to say this quickly, okay? We are meant to be a stumbling block to two groups of people. You ready for this? The first one's easy. You and I know it. We're meant to be a stumbling block to the people who don't know Jesus, who, who maybe are going against Jesus. And the way we do that for those people who don't know Jesus is not by grabbing a megaphone and screaming their sins in their ear. The way we do it is the way that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, by living a life that is different. And that different life becomes a stumbling block. And all you have to do is read the history of Christianity from the time that Jesus died to the present day to see the lives of people, of peace, of generosity, of these different things who lived so differently that their lives became a stumbling block to the world around them. That atheists become followers of Jesus by observing the lives of followers of Jesus. We don't yell and scream at the world. 
And that doesn't mean that when the time comes that we don't talk about Jesus to that one. That's not what it means at all. When God opens the door for us to be able to talk to people about Jesus, we do that. But 95% of the time, that opportunity is going to be preceded by the life that we live. Amen. How we live our lives matters. Amen. The second group of people, not as easy. <laughs> the second group of people <clears throat> are people who call themselves Christians. They're the people that are arguing and bickering. They're the quote-unquote Christians who form circular firing squads and shoot at each other words of hatred and anger and vitriol. Oh, I'll just tweet about them. How can you follow me? How can you call yourself a Christian when you... And it's the whole thing that Jesus talked about when he said, hey, you know what? You might want to pull that splinter out of your eye or that log out of your eye before you try to pull the splinter out of that other person's eye. That we in the church have to take the first steps of living differently. And that means that sometimes we're going to have to be a stumbling block to those who call themselves Christians. That means that we're going to have to say some hard things like, hey, do you think Jesus would have posted that? I'm just asking. How, how does what you tweeted just, how does that represent? How do you think the world sees that? People who don't know Jesus, how do they, how do they, hey, I, 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 I overheard, I wasn't trying to, but I overheard you talking with a group of people about that other person, and you, guys, you were kind of mocking and laughing. How do you think that plays out to the world that doesn't know Jesus? That we become a stumbling block hopefully in a good way for other followers of Jesus who maybe have lost their way because it comes down to this once again that Matthew said in the same way let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds say see your good deeds that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven, which leads us to the last thing. And this may be, for some of you, this may be the thing that you're at church for today. Wherever you are in your walk with God, maybe this is the thing that you're like, I needed to hear that. That is the one thing that I needed to hear, and it's this. And Peter, Peter says it, we are chosen. We are chosen. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are chosen. What an incredible idea. What an incredible passage. What an incredible thought. Do you remember when you were a little kid and you were out on the playground, maybe it was first or second grade, and you were choosing up teams? Remember that? And, and your best friend was one of the team captains, and you know you weren't the best person out there playing the sport, but he took you or she took you first anyway because you're best friends? Remember that? I don't because I was never picked first, okay? And I'm not bitter about it. I'm a little angry, but not bitter, okay? But, but I, you remember that feeling when you got picked for a team? When you were chosen to be, you were like, yes, yes, I was picked. Well, that's exactly what Peter is saying here. You are chosen. It's what it says in 1 Peter 2, 9, but you, you 
followers of Jesus, you disciples, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Listen to this next part. God's special possession. God's special. You are a treasure. You are valuable to God, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You are chosen. When God is picking teams, you are always picked to be on his team. And you always will be picked to be on his team. You are chosen. I love that. You are a special possession. And for some of you today, that's what you needed to hear. Because the world's been kicking you while you've been down. The world's been telling you that you're not all that special. You're not all that great. Why are you even around? Why are you even here? You're worthless. I heard that recently from somebody. Somebody from our congregation was told by another person, you're worthless. I don't even know why we... And you look at it and God says, well, that may be their opinion. That's a horrible, rotten, stinking opinion. Because listen, you are chosen. Amen. You are chosen. You are a special possession. We're going to run through these last ones real quick because I'm, I'm a little bit over time, okay? The second, uh, uh, verse 10 says, once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Man, if you and I are walking together, and I love uh, that song that Michael uh, and the band led, because it talks about being one. That is our word for the year this year. But now you are the people of God. We come together and we are one in Jesus' name. Verse 11 says, Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. As foreigners and exiles, listen to me. For those of us who are followers of Jesus, earth is not our home. This is a, a stopover. This is a rest area. We are citizens of heaven. I am a Christian who was born in America, and I do, I love America, and I appreciate our freedoms, but I am a citizen of heaven, and my citizenship was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ himself. Hallelujah. I'm a foreigner in this place, and I don't want to mess it up by giving in to my sinful desires, which leads us to verse 12, live such good lives. See if this sounds familiar to you. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds. Did we, have we heard that somewhere before? Peter points back to Jesus. Peter, the disciple who was there when Jesus said it at the Sermon on the Mount. He says, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. My friends, that's our calling. That's how we make a difference in 2021. That's how we live on purpose for the purpose for which we are here, is by doing these things, by living a pure life, by becoming the stumbling block that we were meant to be, and by knowing that we are chosen and walking in that confidence. Because Jesus gave us 
our marching orders. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And how do we go and make disciples? By living the life. By living the life that God has called us to live. So three questions I want to encourage you to consider today and over the next next few days. As you kind of, I know this is a big meal. There's a lot there to digest. And hopefully these questions will be kind of like Tums for you, okay? As you kind of work through these questions. The first question is this. In order to be pure and clean, what habits do you need to get rid of? Remember what, what Peter talked about, envy, hypocrisy, those different things. What habit maybe do you need? Right now we're in the season of Lent. It is the 46 days leading up to Easter. And Lent is typically a time of introspection. It's the time when we look inside and understand uh, why God had to do what God did because I am a sinful person. Because I've done all of those things that Peter lists. And so in this time of introspection, in order to be pure and clean, what habits do I need to get rid of to be that person? The second question, what kind of stumbling block are you? Hmm? Am I the stumbling block that has the bullhorn that's yelling in people's ears, sinner? Or by my very life, living generously, living purely, living a life filled with joy, looking out for those who can't look out for themselves? Does my life reveal something different that becomes a stumbling block? Am I a stumbling block to other Christians? Am I willing to take that step? Third question is this. What does how you live your life, what does how you live your life say about God? That's a confusing question. It made sense when I wrote it, but if I read it slowly, what does how you live your life say about God? As you live your life and people look at you, what is your life saying about the God you say you love and serve. My friends, would you stand up with me? Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you, God, that, that you give us joy because we are chosen by you. We are your special possession. And Father, I pray for those who today, maybe that's what they needed to hear because they have been beaten down and kicked, and today they understand that you love them so much that you sent your one and only son, Jesus, to die in their place. Lord, I pray. I pray that you would help me to see the blind spots in my life. The areas where maybe I need to clean up so that I can be pure and live that life. Help me, God, to be a stumbling block. The right kind of stumbling block. Stumbling block to the world around me who doesn't believe in you that is so gracious, so loving, so generous, so filled with mercy and grace that they can't understand it. And they want to know what that is. And Lord, for maybe my brothers and sisters who, who aren't living that way, that I would be willing to step out 
And not only that, but maybe when they come to me and say, hey, Doug, I noticed this, that rather than getting defensive, I would listen so that I don't end up on my face. God, thank you for this time together. We pray that that we would live within your blessings, that fount of blessings that overflows. And may those blessings overflow from us onto a desperate, hurting, and needy world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.